This is Ready, Set, Workflow, a show about how to actually get things done in business, software development, startups, and life. We are your hosts, Caitlin, Katie, and Tosh. In today's episode, we are talking about our final Agile ceremony, which is the Sprint Review. Obviously, everyone's favorite part of the podcast, probably today's question of the day. So today's QOTD, we're going to go with an unpopular opinion. So unpopular opinion, fast food edition. So what is something that like everyone else loves about fast food that you just absolutely hate? I'll go first. I have one because I hate in and out. I know people like come here to to California. I think it's also in like Nevada or something like that. I don't know. To specifically get in and out my siblings, as soon as they land at LAX, they're like, oh my God, we need to go to in and out. It's really, I think it's overrated. And honestly, it just makes my stomach hurt. So unpopular opinion. Don't like in and out. Man, it's so good though. It is so good. That is very unpopular in this podcast. I have a feeling we're going to get like a lot of comments on that. Hopefully. Probably. Maybe there's some supporters. We'll see. All right. I have one. My unpopular opinion is places like Jack in the Box that mix different cuisines into one menu. So they have cheeseburgers and tacos, which just really makes me upset. I don't think you can have multiple cuisines in one fast food restaurant and never will I ever order a taco and French fries with ketchup. It's just wrong. My go-to order. Wow. I think they have egg rolls and stuff there too, right? They do. It's the best. Yeah. That makes it even worse. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you go into Jack in the Box and order a taco, French fries, and an egg roll, you are a psychopath, I think. That's literally my drunk order at Jack in the Box, except they're usually curly fries, not just like straight fries, but I I always get at least tacos and egg rolls, multiple cuisines. Oh gosh. I can't do it. Yeah. It's fusion. It's a fusion cuisine experience. Essentially. I don't know. It just irks me. They should call it Jack in the box fusion cuisine, fusion, fast food. I know Caitlin just shaded my order so hard right there. I just guessed it. Wow. All right. So we have team in and out with Caitlin and team fusion fast food with Tosh. I was going to go something more simple. I don't really love the Taco Bell Mexican pizza. Mm, I don't either. That seems to be a hot item because they keep selling out and not being able to keep it in stock. There's been articles recently about Taco Bell's getting it back in stock only to have it wiped out completely immediately. And I don't care for it. And I kind of feel like it falls into your fusion, Caitlin. It's true. Maybe that's why I don't like it. It's just like a double tostada situation. What's not to like? It's like 80% of the rest of the their menu items. It's got like a weird sauce or something on it. That's a little too much. I want to be in control of my sauce. It's probably marinara. That's probably what's wrong with it. Is it marinara on there? They don't have marinara. No, they do not. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm probably not. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's not that kind of, because it's a Mexican pizza. It just looks like one. If you're going to get something that shape at Taco Bell, because really at Taco Bell, you're, that's all the same ingredients. You're just picking the shape, then go with the Crunchwrap Supreme, another circular item with multiple tortillas. 100%. Do you like the Crunchwrap and hate the Mexican pizza? No, I don't like that. Yes. Oh, you don't like the Crunchwrap or the Mexican pizza? No, I don't like the like combo of tortilla types. One tortilla type only. Yes. So you probably also don't like the cheesy gordita crunch. I think that was two tortillas. I don't even think I've tried that. Really just stick with the basics. How do you feel about like the dessert taco, like the choco taco? Do they serve those there? Or just in general? I mean, they used to. They did at some point. I don't mind the choco taco. It's okay. I... I'm just a texture person, right? So it's like the crunchy part of the Choco Taco ends up being soft and that that part I don't care for. I want my cone crunchy and having like a soft tortilla around a crunchy thing. What's, yeah, don't get me started on Jello or coconut flakes or any of those flan. No, thank you. I've seen you take a Jello shot before though, so. Jello shots are different than regular Jello. I make exceptions. Are they? The texture's not, but the end result is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, have you ever also taken a sober jello shot? Like, I feel like that helps your aversion to the texture. So, like, you're probably halfway there by the time you're t- taking jello shots. That's true. Jello shot, shot usually isn't the first drink that you have. But, like, I'm going to kick off my afternoon at 2 p.m. It's not your snack. Oh my God. It, it could be your snack. It's actual food. That means I have to make it. I might as well prep it with my charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a third time. Oh my God. Great addition. We've come full circle. God, this is enlightening. That was a great QOTD. Thank you. All right. Well, as much as I don't want to switch gears off of fast food, I suppose we should get into talking about sprint reviews. This is the last agile ceremony that we're going to deep dive into, and we can start with the agile definition per usual. Great. So according to our favorite scrum.org, as described in the scrum guide, the purpose of the sprint review is to inspect the outcome of the sprint and determine future adaptations. Now, when I was looking up this definition, there were a lot of things that surprised me about this. And then I also remember when they changed the word from sprint demo to sprint review. So maybe this is when some of those changes happened as well. I'm not sure. But the parts that were surprising to me, or let's review the whole definition first, it says the sprint review may include the following elements and more. So attendees include the scrum team and key stakeholders, members of the scrum team explain what backlog items have been done and what has not been done, developers discuss what went well during the sprint, developers demonstrate the work that has been done. So those four things weren't necessarily surprising to me. I think we'll get into a lot more details and those align pretty closely with what we do. The next parts it talks about the product owner discusses the product backlog as it stands and projects likely target and delivery dates based on progress. The entire group collaborates on what to do next so that the sprint review provides valuable input. 
review of the marketplace, potential use of the product, review timeline, budget, potential capabilities, next anticipated releases of functionality and capability. So those were kind of some next level items in this scrum definition that I was not fully aware of. And again, maybe the, the top ones kind of align more with it being a demo and the rest of them maybe go into this further definition of a uh, review, but that is how the scrum guide defines the purpose of the sprint review. Wow. That is a lot. Too much. It probably is more relevant if you're doing full on scrum where every single, like you're doing, we're going to deliver this. It's a concerted amount of work. We do more of a scrum bond style. So that is like, sounds wild to do it throughout the very last day of your sprint. No, thank you. Right. It does also say four hour maximum of four hours for a one month sprint. So as with all scrum ceremonies there, they should be time boxed, but yeah, it was, uh, it was surprising when I was reading through it. I, it, there was a lot more to the definition than I realized and that I remember from our certification courses. For sure. So before we get into what our meeting looks like, let's talk about, let's just talk about logistics to start. So we do our sprint review on the last day of the sprint. We end our review on a Friday or we end our sprint on a Friday. So our review is always on a Friday and I'll talk about it from my perspective as a, as a developer, this is a bit of a stressful morning. The devs are prepping for demoing stuff and, you know, it's been two weeks since they've demoed last and they know there's going to be stakeholders in there, product donors, QA. It's a big meeting to do a demo. So I think the morning for the devs is a little bit of a time crunch, getting everything ready, making sure you're practiced and there's no bugs in whatever environment you're demoing in. Tosh, what does that morning look like for you though? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's also a time crunch for usually your product owner, scrum master, whoever's kind of in charge of maintaining whatever tool you're going to show as to what's going to be demoed that day. We, like we mentioned, use a spreadsheet just to track everything that's done in a sprint. Very simple, just Excel. And we work with a team that is farther ahead than I am at least. So by the end of Thursday, my day, it's very late for our team. And ideally I'm prepping my, my sprint doc Thursday. However, not everything has been merged. So usually my stress starts Thursday night, Friday Eve, I'm already stressed out. And I usually send Caitlin a Slack message. That's like, Hey, when you wake up in the morning, can you please ask the developers to merge everything forward? I then frantically wake up and check what's been merged after Caitlin has harassed them and take all of that information and put it directly into the sprint demo doc. So the developers can sign up to figure out who is going to be demoing what that day. So, I mean, great news. Everyone's stressed. That is good news. And that's actually the main reason I moved from San Diego to South Carolina was so I could be on East coast time and I wouldn't have to stay up late on Thursday night. Cause I'm really not a night owl. And then Friday morning, I can come in at like 5 a.m. Pacific time and ping everyone. And then Tosh wakes up and miraculously, everything has been deployed to the demo environment. Like magic. Indeed. So highly recommend just uprooting your life and moving across the country if you're finding that you're staying up too late before demo day. Hot tips. Hot tips. 
All right. So let's expand a little bit on the day before prep and the definition of done. Okay. Yeah. So we only demo stories that meet our definition of done, which means it's passed through two rounds of QA in two separate environments, as well as being code reviewed. So we're really showing every, you know, what is this ceremony called review exactly what's going to be pushed to production, because that's what we want to get feedback on from the stakeholders in that meeting. And that's why it's just so important for us to be demoing those specific stories. I will also say we skip bugs. We don't demo bugs that that's functionality that should already exist in the tool. We don't need to show people how it works again. So we're really just demoing the new features, the new functionality that's going to be going out directly to our end users so that everyone on the call, stakeholders, sales, whoever else, you know, is joining that day is able to, you know, be aware of what's up next. Yeah. So in our sprint planning meeting, we talked about the sprint planning spreadsheet that we use to put together to organize our very brief sprint planning meeting. Also, we did mention in that podcast, but we also use that to organize our stories that we're going to be demoing for the sprint review. So as Tosh mentioned, what ends up on the spreadsheet are just those tickets, not bugs that have passed that definition of done. And then in terms of who is demoing what, we really just let the developers decide for themselves. We've been on teams where every developer demos their stories that they worked on, or you can have just a couple devs each time demo all the stories, which kind of makes things go a little smoother because you're not constantly switching presenters through the whole meeting, but either one works. So let's get into the actual meeting and how we run ours versus what scrum.org tells us. Well, obviously missing from scrum.org's definition is starting with a QOTD. Very important. I mean, hugely important. But also what's really great about the QOTD in your sprint review is you have people who aren't in your refinements, who aren't in your normal day-to-day meetings joining, and it helps continue to build that just kind of like sense of community within your teams and beyond. So you have, I mean, we're lucky enough We have very high level people joining our demo or reviews each week, and they have to answer the same exact question that our developers do. They, again, range. We did the whole breakdown of the different levels, obviously starting with some really simple ones, but it's actually just a really funny way to see how much commonality people have, regardless of where they live what department they're working in, what their level is within that department. I think one of my favorite ones was like, how many sneakers do you own? And like, we apparently have a couple sneaker heads. Like it was great. So I think that is really important. And then it's just not your demo words talking into this void. Everyone's spoken. Everyone's a little bit more relaxed and it's just kind of a fun little icebreaker to get that meeting started. Yeah, it really lightens the mood, especially if you're a junior developer and you're you've been cramming and prepping your demo all morning and, you know, now you are in a meeting where you're about to present to executives, which doesn't happen very often or maybe it's never happened before. QOTD really just levels the playing field. Exactly. So after we do that, then we jump directly into what the high-level sprint themes for the team that's going to be demoing, which just 
sets the stage for the demoer so they don't have to just jump in and immediately go, okay, here's my stories. Here's what we worked on. Here's what it looks like. Boom, done. It's a nice way for the executives to get looped in and reminded probably of what we've been working on for the past weeks or months, whatever it might be. And then it just segues nicely into letting those develop the developers start to demo those their stories with just that little bit of background. Yeah. So we talked about earlier, you guys mentioned what you do the morning of or the day before as prep. In my position now, I am considered more of a stakeholder than being part of the actual scrum team. So my preparation for this meeting is a lot less stressful. It's really just about making myself presentable because I like to be on video and camera. Something that we've mentioned in the past is that our team is fully remote at this point. And so we are demoing everything on Zoom and without being able to physically clap for everybody who's demoing, I always wanna make sure that I'm at least the majority of the time on video so that they can see after they've demoed really just celebrating that dev that's demoed. We talked about it's pretty nerve wracking meeting. They're demoing stories. They could be junior devs. I think all the way up to a senior, more experienced dev. I think it's nerve wracking on all the levels. The stakeholders can be in attendance in this meeting. And so within our company and other companies that I've worked for, we've essentially made it optional for anybody in the company to attend. So it could be something that maybe somebody you've never even interacted with necessarily that's going to be on here or your CEO could be on this meeting and it could be fairly nerve wracking. So just making sure to share videos, celebrating every dev that demos because it is really important to celebrate those accomplishments and achievements throughout the sprint. And that's from a stakeholder's perspective, essentially making sure that you're participating, celebrating that dev. And then also it is a time for some feedback um, and we can get into that in a little bit but before that we could talk about kind of the order of events that we do as far as demoing goes for sure yeah so again we do that high level theme and then we have each team demo their stories that they're going to be delivering um, shortly after the demo in in batches usually if there's a big Epic that's being worked on, it's usually just easier to go through that entire thing, start to finish with one developer showing all of the that functionality, you know, or if you're doing an overhaul of something, just kind of showing the ripple effects throughout the tool. So it's really nice if the devs start only showing their stories, no bugs, no one wants to see those anyways. And then we jump into a QA presentation. They don't have anything to demo necessarily. Sometimes they may. If they're, you know, testing out some new automation tools that they're using or some research that they've done, but we jump into, we, so we go from the developers demoing into some QA stats. So they'll review the number of bugs that they found that were fixed. They'll also go over the total number of user stories from their point of view. So kind of the major parts of the tools that they're, they've been testing and reviewing. And then we also share our automated test results. If you're not using automated tests, do it sooner rather than later, because I think trying to implement them later down the line can be painful. But 
showing the automated test results and showing our progress towards 100% of our tests passing and how we can leverage those test results to improve our tool and make sure that everything's functioning as needed. And then the last thing that we will end with before getting any feedback or anything like that is if we have any design mockups that we would like to show, our design team will present that. This is also a really great opportunity because it allows every single person to give feedback in that meeting. So the developers are going to be taking the designs, obviously, and turning them into real functional features within the tool. So it's a great way for them to get clarifying questions on things that they might have, or you know, a quick little note that they need to follow up with the designer about something that may or may not be possible. And then on the flip side of it, the stakeholders really get a nice high level overview of some usually larger functionality or flow, you know, flows that are going to be coming as well. Yeah. So the meat of it's really the demos, but then once the demos and presentations are over, then the stakeholders are given time to speak. The fear here is that, you know, there'll be either feature requests that aren't necessarily relevant to what was demoed, or maybe a complaint about what they saw during the demo, or just kind of long tangents, you know, people get stuck on little things and, you know, might not see the big picture. How do you guys handle the feedback coming in during that meeting? Well, this is a great reason why you should be on camera because you have to like not have RBF and you have to smile and take the feedback. Again, some of it is super relevant and very, very helpful. The vast majority of the time it is. There are obviously the times, like you said, Caitlin, where like people are complaining or implying that something it doesn't work when maybe they even requested it to work that way originally. And I think the most important thing to do is to thank people for their feedback to make sure they don't, they don't feel that, it, that they can't provide it in that meeting. Because if they don't provide it to you in that meeting, they're just going to complain about it later or send you a nasty email or Slack message. And no one wants to get those. We have ours on a Friday, not an ideal way to end a week ever. So I think the first thing you should do is always thank people for their feedback. Your product owner or scrum master should be taking notes and collecting that. And then you can always take those as action items. If people start getting really into the weeds, it's totally appropriate to interject and just say, hey, no, we got it. Great idea. You know. So, and so I will follow up with you directly after this meeting to continue getting some of the requirements. I have some questions that I want to clarify with you, but thanks again, appreciate the feedback. And then you can kind of move that conversation forward and then follow up with them, ask them questions offline. You don't need to have your developers going in and trying to explain why they did things a certain way or, or, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we'll do that immediately right now. You may have to remind them like, oh, great. Yeah, no, we'll create a ticket for this. We'll create a story for this. We'll track it. We'll put it through the process, kind of cut them off once it starts to go down that really technical or like tactical path. It's usually not as common. Most of the time people, it's a feel good meeting. They also want to give compliments. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think what you just said, Tosh, about it being a feel good meeting, anything on the product side that we can do to maintain that feel good meeting and not turn the meeting into any sort of point of contention or anything like that, I think is key because we don't want to minimize anything that the the developers have worked on or that they've just demoed. And so if we get feedback that we may not 
necessarily agree with, or like Tosh said, it's in direct conflict of what was actually requested. I think on the product and Scrum Master side, it's our job to just take the feedback, be empathetic across the entire team. So empathetic to the person providing the feedback, as well as ensuring that we're maintaining just a stoicism across the across the board so that we don't get that contention that rolls over into you know, some dev that has just been so proud of the work that they've done only to have it be minimized by maybe some negative feedback or something like that. So I do think that it's our job to keep that, again, level of feel-goodness for this meeting. I also think that on the product side, you can prepare for this ahead of time by telling your stakeholders what this meeting is actually for, doing a little bit of education on what this meeting is, hey, this meeting, you know, they're considered ceremonies because they um, need to be protected, not protected in the sense that you can't give feedback, but protected in the sense that we want to make sure that the goal of this meeting, we don't go off, off the rails with a different goal. We don't need to use this meeting for another purpose. It's not an all hands. It's not something where somebody else can come in and kind of take over that meeting really just protecting this meeting. It's a way for the development team to show off their work. It's a way for all of us to celebrate our successes. It is a way to give feedback. So ensuring that they are able to give feedback and we'll do a lot of follow-ups. And I think that's the, the key, making sure that they can give the feedback and then ensuring that you actually do a follow-up so that they see kind of that full circle and we close the loop on what's happening. Totally, gotta keep the vibes high. Always. Okay. So I know that Katie mentioned in her original definition, a lot of other things that Scrum has recommended to include in sprint reviews. Our main purpose behind this is really just to celebrate the team, celebrate the work, keep the vibes high, as well as collect feedback from stakeholders and whoever else might be in that meeting. We'd love to hear if you use any of those other kind of tools or techniques and how you implement them. But for us, the ready, set, workflow way to run a sprint review is obviously to start it with a QOTD and then have your product owner, scrum master, review the themes that your teams have been working on to set the stage. After that's done, you can have your developers demo things that are done and ready to go, which for us, again, means they've passed multiple rounds of QA in different environments and have gone through a code review process. And then obviously trying to end it on a high note. So balancing the feedback that you're getting from your stakeholders, as well as celebrating all of the, you know, awesome development work that your team has completed in the past two weeks. And that is how you run a sprint review. So we hope you guys have really enjoyed listening to our podcast, especially today's about the final scrum ceremony sprint review. If you did, feel free to leave us a review or share this episode with your friends. And also, please don't hesitate to tell us what other topics you would like us to cover in future episodes. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at Ready, Set, Workflow. Caitlin's been posting some great TikToks, highly would recommend. And drop a comment or reach out on social media. See you guys next week.